0: is it that when it comes to sex we imagine it we do it but we can't talk about it that's where i come in in this episode of chronicle headlines i'm pulling the curtain away from those so-called taboo topics today we're talking about sex sexuality and relationships i hope you feel empowered after this and if you feel uncomfortable listening right now that's okay too This episode will still be here when you're ready. Now, let's get down and dirty, with your consent, of course. This is Chronicle Headlines. Don't be shy. Let's talk about sexual health. Your sexual health is the same as your everyday health, and whether you're sexually active or not, engaging in safe and pleasurable sex doesn't need to be taboo. For many women with vaginas and trans people with frontal openings, any type of penetration can be difficult or even painful. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists estimates that three in four women will experience painful sex at some point during their lifetime. I'm here with copy chief, Summer Hogelin Abernathy to talk about common reasons why your vagina might not work the way you think it should and what you can do if you're worried about painful penetration.
1: So sometimes people have uh, different conditions like vulvodynia, which is chronic pain in the vulva um, with some burning and itching. Vestibulodynia, which is uh, pain or discomfort around the opening of the vagina. Then there's also um, vaginismus, which is um, when the muscles on uh, the tube of the vagina kind of contract and seize, and that can be painful. Yes, I'll leave it at that. Oh, um, one more, sorry. So then there's also, if the hymen is, uh, doesn't dissolve correctly um, during fetal and early childhood development, it can uh, cause a sharp pain when you try to penetrate with that.
0: We will circle around to all of what Summer just said, listeners. Let's go to what the hymen is. Can you break that down for me? Right.
1: So the hymen is a membrane that covers uh, one's urinary tract and also genital organs. Uh, And it typically dissolves during fetal and early childhood development. However, sometimes if it doesn't dissolve correctly, it can leave a membrane over Um, these holes and, uh, or it can leave a membrane with smaller holes. So there can be multiple uh, or it doesn't dissolve all the way. And that can still
0: cause painful penetration. What are some things that people can do to combat these painful. Yeah. These painful interactions with their hymen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would recommend
1: seeing a doctor about it. um, If you are having pain, Um, you can stretch it open though. Actually, uh, there are a variety of activities that you can do. Um, I mean, there's like biking
0: and then sexual intercourse and tampon insertion. When you talk about stretching out one's hymen, I feel like that's associated. Like I was told that, um, you know, that I could lose my virginity just by popping the cherry, which just by like riding a horse or um, riding a bike. Are there other common myths that hymens are associated with?
1: Yeah, the concept of virginity is very associated with the hymen. And honestly, it's a concept. Uh, so popping the cherry is a myth. Um, and if if your hymen tears open during sex. That's not an indicator that you have lost your virginity. That's just your hymen has torn open.
0: Your article mentions pelvic floor discomfort. What is that?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so pelvic floor discomfort is kind of a general term that we used. Uh, dyspareunia is a term that kind of just dyspareunia is a term that is equivalent to pelvic floor discomfort. Pelvic floor discomfort is a general term that we use uh, to say anything that really happens on the pelvic floor and it is uncomfortable for you.
0: How common is dyspareunia or just uh, pelvic floor discomfort?
1: Right. I can't speak to how common pelvic floor discomfort is, but we did cite um, a study in the article that says 5 to 17% of people are living with vaginismus. However, this study happened um, in 1990. So there is not a lot of research on it as far as we could tell.
0: Why isn't there a lot of research on it?
1: I can't speak to that professionally, but I would say it's probably an issue of sexism uh, because women problems are... I would say people with vagina problems are, um, I don't know, sometimes they're not too high on the docket.
0: And how young can these pain, this pain occur?
1: Um, we talked about labial adhesion, which is where the, yes, the, so the two labial, labia minora will sometimes stick together um, caused by inflammation, and that's labial adhesion. And that is most common in, um, I believe, babies and toddlers, but it can also happen during puberty. And in that case, the hormones usually take that
0: out. Let's, let's move on to vaginismus. Did I pronounce that correct? Yes. Vaginismus. Oh, that's a tongue twister. What What is that? Um, I know you said that earlier, but let's circle back to it because it seems like um, I've never heard of it. So what is that?
1: Sure, um, vaginismus is a condition where um, the muscles in the pelvic floor will engage in kind of a spasm. Um, the, it, will, it will make the vaginal tube hurt uh, when this happens.
0: What can someone do about
1: vaginismus? Seeing a doctor is uh, an excellent thing to do about vaginismus. There are also different, um, there are different treatments for it. I know that some people use dilators. This is not um, on any authority. This is just people that I know. Um, I know some people use dilators, which is, um, I want to say a tube, not a tube, but like like a stick that you will put in your vagina and you let it sit there for a few minutes. And it just kind of like helps your vagina realize that like something can go in. Um, But I've also heard that other people have not found treatments with their doctors. So that is, that's it. I feel like it's a case by case basis.
0: It's one of those things that's just something that people will have to manage on their own. I would
1: say not on your own. I would say definitely see a doctor about it. Um, Usually they can offer some kind of help.
0: To wrap this up, why is talking about pleasurable sex, having pleasurable sex important?
1: I think that talking about pleasurable sex and having pleasurable sex is important because if you are somebody who wants to have sex, it's hard to want to have sex if it's not pleasurable for you. Uh, So if that's not happening for you, I would recommend talking to your partner, um, but also a doctor, a therapist, somebody uh, with professional authority who can help you work through these issues that you're having. Um, But having your partner involved, I think, is also important.
0: Should women or even men be embarrassed to talk about uncomfortable sex?
1: No, I think that you should never be embarrassed to talk about uncomfortable sex. Um, I feel like you wouldn't You wouldn't be embarrassed to talk about um, a pain in your elbow. So I feel like you shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about a pain in your vagina during something that's supposed to be um, a very good time for you.
0: Are there any ways that one can explore their own body and what are they?
1: Sure. Um, We talked to Carlin Ross, who um, focuses on aiding people with self-love and having independent orgasms. And she talked about um, taking time to just kind of like explore your body. You can use lubrication, um, vibrators, things like that, uh, to just kind of get to know yourself to add with the um, that you should explore your own body, there's also research that you can do on your own. Um, I interviewed somebody from Embrace Sexual Wellness. Uh, she was the founder, Jennifer Littner, and they have a page on the Embrace Sexual Wellness website that has a lot of resources that people can check out. Um, Scarletine and Healthline also are
0: good resources to look at. Thank you very much, Summer, for all of the 411 on this. And to read more or to read the full article, you can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. Here's a titillating and steamy comic you won't be able to put down. Money Shot is a story about scientists who travel to space in a future where space travel is expensive and largely ignored. Christine Ocampos, the inventor of the Starshot teleportation device, has an idea to travel to new worlds, engage intimately with local aliens, and film her exploits for people back on Earth trying to find something new on the internet. Ocampos and her, quote, merry band of scientists come porn stars explore the universe, each other, and the complexities of sex. Here to talk about Money Shot is Opinions Editor Isaiah Colbert. Hi, Isaiah. Hi,
2: how's it going?
0: I'm doing well. I'm ready to hear all this steamy, juicy talk about this comic. Yeah.
2: I like have some of these single issues like on me because I made sure to like have them mailed to me and stuff. So to do to do research, of course, I totally wasn't already reading it before I pitched the story. Um, so yeah, um, as you said, like, and even when I interviewed the one of the writers, uh, Tim Seely, who also happens to be a teacher at our school, um, he said that pretty much the short elevator pitch is that science isn't really funded uh, scientists want to do space exploration so they funded by making porn in space so I was like all right that's that's a pretty simple thing to write for as like a graph for the story there
0: <laughs> that is very out of this world <laughs> no pun intended um, you explained you told me who one of the authors was mm. but are there more authors who contributed to this
2: yeah uh so the other author who's uh sort of also helping writing it is um let's see i gotta get the names uh, sarah Beatty. she's also kind of the more the comedy writing side of it uh when i interviewed tim uh he mentioned that whenever he's like writing something it's like he needs it to make it make it funny and um make sure that he has any like any misconceptions or like anything that he gets wrong about women just have her kind of add that side to it and make sure that it's all pretty copacetic
0: I like that word, copacetic, but I, I am excited to read it. So you said that you, in your hand, currently have it. What does the cover look like?
2: Um, so I've got about, like, five or six issues on me. So a lot of it is just kind of like the titular cast. They always have, like, some random things going on in it. Um, I know that issue number nine kind of involves them being, like, they're, like, being chased by some some creatures, my my filter thing is gonna kind of make it really weird, but they're being chased by some creatures and like um, they're hopping through like a wormhole and they're making out and like for some of them and then some of them are just like shooting back at the creatures that are sort of trying to chase them. So there's usually a lot of active stuff happening with like the ensemble cast with a lot of the uh, stuff that's going on. So they try to make sure that it's uh, very action oriented, also very sexy at the same time and make sure that it's very, very busy.
0: How did the idea of the comic come to fruition?
2: So um, the writer, uh, Tim Seeley, he said that uh, he was just watching a uh, vice news with his wife and they were sort of seeing how in the Trump administration, uh, there was like some news that it was about um, scientists are kind of dealing with like a lack of funding for a lot of their projects. So um, while they were like kind of watching that, um, Tim's wife kind of mentioned like, well, why don't they just kind of make porn? And he's like, that is the most brilliant idea I've ever heard. I'm going to get started making a comic about it.
0: I see. And when was the first comic
2: released? Um, I believe they started working on it in 2019 and it uh, sort of came out um, in early 2020.
0: What makes Money Shot different than any other comic depicting x-rated imagery?
2: Um, Well, I know that uh, especially as someone who kind of just like happened to walk into a comic book shop and I was like, I kind of need some comics to pick up to sort of like buy my time with stuff. Um, money shot was something that kind of caught my eye because it was like okay well first of all, the name is kind of just eye-catching enough within its premise um but it kind of like takes um the aspects of just like a kind of a fun kind of satirical story that also has sex in it but it doesn't like do it in a way that is just like blatant like like depictions of sex for the purpose of sex so it kind of like is i guess i would say like a new wave kind of a way of uh, sort of approaching sex in a comic to like not try to like really like Ham up the like really like any like gross depictions or like uh, graphic depictions of it but just kind of like making it just as a natural thing that happens
0: what do others say about money shot so your opinion you you liked it but what have others said about it
2: um I know that um when I interviewed uh, Tim talking about it uh, asking if there was like any kind of like negative feedback or any like kind of pushback for it um Surprisingly, it wasn't, like, um, any, like, thing, like, really negative implicitly about the comic. It was more of, like, a complaint that it wasn't dirty enough of a comic for some readers. Um, to mention that, like, when he goes on, like, some sites like Amazon and he sees reviews, people kind of complain, like, it wasn't as dirty as they thought it would be. And so I guess that's, like, kind of the only, like, pushback that they've kind of gotten for it.
0: Would you want it to be more dirty, in your opinion?
2: I think um, with Money Shot and um, uh, the artist Rebecca Isaacs, uh, she's very good at her artwork. And um, a lot of it's just like you kind of you get enough spice. You don't need like you don't need it to go overboard with a lot of the stuff that's going on there. Uh, it leaves enough to the imagination and it depicts enough to just kind of let you know what's going on in like um, either in like a story driven way or just a satirical way. So I think that if it kind of went any further, it would kind of just be a little bit like, I don't know, like kind of a pulp kind of a sex comic and I don't think that would be something that I would obviously this is something that you kind of hide away just be like hey I'm I'm, I'm reading this but I don't need it to just be splayed everywhere but if it kind of went that other stuff I think that would be a little bit too much.
0: Remind me again how many volumes or issues there are of Money Shot.
2: Uh, I believe currently they're at issue 10. I know that I kind of got a little bit of a scoop when I was uh, interviewing them that they said that they are still planning on making more of them. So I know that they kind of reached a point where I think after like the fifth issue, um, they kind of were like, all right, we'll be back maybe for more. And then they obviously came back to do some more parts of it. And then the 10th issue ended with, well, all right, well, we're kind of done here unless you want some like sloppy thirds or something like that. As they had their like tagline at the bottom of it. So they're still planning on making more of them.
0: That's funny. Sloppy thirds. I like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the last things I want to know is so in the article, you talked to Len Strzezewski, a former DC comics writer and an associate professor emeritus at Columbia. What was his take on the comic?
2: Um, we never really talked about money shots specifically. We did talk about um, generally um, just the history of comic books and their depictions of sex. Cause I know that um, there was a lot of issues um I guess more famously in like a Batman comic where there was sex between um, happening between Batman and Catwoman and that kind of caused a huge row within like the comic book industry about um, how far is too far and kind of like readership and, and um, sort of uh, talks about that. And so a lot of what came out of that is just kind of talking about like kind of the history of just like censorships that happens within the comic book industry. And um, pretty much how there was like this comic book code that pretty much said, like, along with sex, like, you can't have vampires, you can't have swearing, a lot of these other things that kind of just make comic books uh, a little bit more interesting than not at all. So um, we talked about how that was kind of a rule and how writers kind of ignored it because they were like, well, if we don't do this or if we put a thing where we're like, hey, immature content, it kind of does the opposite effect and makes readers want to read it more for like the opposite reason. So um yeah, we talked a lot about the history and um this town. Like readership isn't just for kids uh for comic books. A lot of the readerships are just young adults or some teenagers. So it's not exactly something that it's just gonna be a comic book that's weird for kids. Kids don't really read comic books as like we might all kind of like have a preconceived notion about. So that's a lot of the talk that we had over there.
0: I could only imagine a little kid reading um uh, Money Shot, thinking it's just a simple, you know, cute space comic and then finding out, oh my, it is not exactly what they originally mm-hmm. thought. And I I just thought of one more thing. Would you say that money shot goes outside of the norm with like the comic book standards that you just shared that from talking with Len?
2: Yeah. Um, because I know that uh when we when I was talking with Lynn, a lot of the things that he mentioned was there is like a bit of a history of sex in uh comic books. Um I think there was like a really like famous um version of it um oh gosh um uh, uh, Tijuana Bibles I remembered it uh they call the Tijuana Bibles where it was kind of like a more kind of graphic um satirical kind of a thing about um sex in comics where it would either depict celebrities or very famous comic book um like figures just having sex in comics but the other side of that is that those were also one of those that are like really really dated and just you know pretty racist and pretty sexist and um i think that um and what came out of the interview with um the writers and uh artists at uh, money shot was that they tried to make sure that it was something that wouldn't just be like something that just a white person would appeal to like i think they do that really well and like one thing that didn't sh- uh, come up in the article that we ended up talking about um was that money shot isn't just like a Um, comic book that just has a dialogue about sex and just it it actually talks about politics too and how that kind of is intrinsically linked into it Um, and their second kind of like half of their run of it they uh, actually kind of dip their toe a lot more into the trump inspirations of the comic book they even have their own like pseudo version of trump that gets kind of thrown in there and they kind of um, have more of a conversation about just kind of like poking fun at the politics that's happening like currently and how it would kind of connect with the story that's uh, going on in money shot so I think Money Shot is kind of um, one of a kind when it comes to uh, having not only just uh, satire about uh, sex, just a wacky concept in general, but also is um, smarter in ways than you wouldn't really expect when it comes to um, sort of dialogue and commentary about politics.
0: I'm curious now about the characters, because I believe I read that some of them were pansexual. Is that right?
2: yeah i think there is at one point um well the reason why i sort of came up with uh sort of including that is that um the actual kind of like trump self-insert that happens uh, in the comic he through happen circumstance he kind of gets involved with them and um he describes all of them as like oh you pansexual scientists like nerds no one cares about what you guys think i was like yeah they are pretty much pansexual like they had like this um bit of like a trial by far because like hey guys here's our concept we need to make money we got to get comfortable with each other we got to get intimate we got to like be comfortable with all of our things so um they they all get really close all the characters uh, not only just um like physically but they also like learn a little bit more about each other's insecurities and they grow a lot closer through that
0: I hope we didn't spoil too much of money shot because I think part of the allure to it is just, uh, the taboo of not reading or feeling embarrassed, maybe reading about like a pornographic comic. Um, the last thing i say, where can one order read money shot?
2: Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, that if you, um, where I specifically got money shot, um, there's this place called, um, you can either go to grand cracker comics in chicago where i know they'll hold issues there Um, there's also uh challengers comics is uh where i went to go get my copy specifically i know that if you get onto any uh mailing list especially for challengers um they can invoice you stuff in case you're like kind of feeling a little bit squeamish about going into stores you can send them an invoice. so will actually mail the comic books to you, which is how I've been kind of reading the last couple of issues of Money Shots. So uh, that's where you can go out and get them. And there's also probably going to be issues online on Amazon. that You guys can digitally download and read as well.
0: Hey, thank you so much. There is a spectrum of words we use to describe members of the LGBTQIA community. Some labels, such as bisexual, are viewed as less valid because it's thought of as a step before coming out as gay or lesbian, or deny that bisexuality even exists. I'm here with Managing Editor Brooklyn Kiyoso to talk about bisexuality, bi-erasure, and why it's important to change the narrative.
3: Well, bi-erasure is a pervasive problem in which bisexuality is either questioned, into um, the legitimacy of bisexuality is either questioned or denied outright.
0: And what are some examples that people do this, whether they intentionally do it or, or not?
3: Yeah, so a couple examples done by society and in media. Um, specifically in media, when bisexuals are represented, it's a lot of the time they, characters will say, oh, you're just on the way to becoming completely gay or completely straight or this is just a phase that you're in um or if a character in a movie like love simon for example is like with the woman and then decides actually no i'm gay there's like no in between there um which is valid sometimes that does happen but there's not a lot of representation for that spectrum of being attracted to multiple genders
0: Why is this important to talk about it in the LGBT community?
3: Yeah, well, first I think it's important because any issue that involves anyone within the LGBTQ plus community is important to talk about, but it's also important. And I think one of my sources, Elijah put it really well that um, the B in LGBTQ plus a lot of times is forgotten. Um, And for bisexual people, sometimes when they're in a more straight space, they don't feel like they're completely straight. And then when they're in a more openly queer gay space, they don't feel like they fit in there either. So talking about this and really understanding what being bisexual means um, can change that narrative.
0: So your sources talked about their personal experiences coming out as bisexual and um, people's responses to it. And you just mentioned Elijah. So could you tell me more about what your sources shared with you about this um, personal experience of bi-erasure?
3: Yeah, of course. So they obviously all had different experiences, but they, there were some shared similarities between them, which makes sense. Um, a few of them, like Elijah and Caitlin, had, were kind of forced out while they did come out. Caitlin, for example, came out on her own on an, through an Instagram post, wasn't really expecting her family to find out that way, did find out and then had all of these things tossed at her saying like by her aunt saying, oh, it's probably just a phase. You'll get through it. How do you know you've never been with a woman before, et cetera, et cetera. And on the same side of that, Elijah, his parents found out on accident and they just assumed he was gay then they didn't even think there was a spectrum there it went immediately from him being straight to them to being completely gay
0: and how did he approach this con or this topic to his parents meaning like after they said that to him did he share with you his response like explaining that there is an in-between
3: Yeah, he didn't go in great detail about exactly how he went about that, but he did say even within his friend group now, he feels like he's still viewed as only gay because he has this feminine side to him. Um, And he did directly say that he felt a little bit diminished and misunderstood in his friend group because he does identify as bisexual, but they joke around with each other and just say, oh, you're probably gay.
0: One of your sources um, is is married and she said, quote, that she constantly feels like she's coming out to people. Would you be able to elaborate more on her story?
3: Yeah. So Jen has been married for almost 13 years. Um, and she identifies as bisexual, but she, as she put it, is in a straight passing relationship. So she's married to a straight man. Um, and so a lot of people think she's in a straight relationship. And she told me this is very diminishing because she's bisexual. So no matter what relationship she's in, she's in a queer relationship because she's queer. Um, and she said, because she's in a straight passing relationship, it's hard to come out to people again and again, them assuming that she's straight and her having to correct them being like, no, actually like I'm bisexual. I am in this straight passing relationship, but that doesn't mean that I'm not queer.
0: What are some stereotypes surrounding bisexuality?
3: Yeah, I think there's quite a few stereotypes surrounding bisexuality. One is that you have to pick a side. You can't be attracted to multiple genders. Another is that you're hypersexual and you just want to have sex with everyone and saying you're bisexual is a way to validate that desire. Um, And also there's this kind of, I, I don't want to say new, but kind of new thing that People think that people that identify as bisexual are transphobic because you have to either, I, you mean you like two genders and the two genders that you like are men and women. So you can't like someone that doesn't fall in those spec- that spectrum. Um, so that's kind of a new stereotype that when I talked to Jen about it, she was like, I've never thought that I only like men and women because I identify as bisexual.
0: Why is it significant to talk about bi erasure?
3: I think it's significant to talk about bi-erasure because for anyone, if your identity is constantly being questioned, um, the legitimacy of your identity is being questioned, that's very diminishing and it's very, very hard to go through. Um, So if we can talk about bisexuality, what it means, the different, the wide spectrum of what someone that identifies as bisexual, what they mean by that, because it can mean a lot of different things. Um, that will really change the narrative around um, bisexuality being legitimate and not being a race.
0: Is there anything you would like to share to our listeners about this topic that I didn't ask about?
3: This is, this is in the article, but I think it's important that the few examples that I came across uh, when I was looking for bisexual representation in media were examples that were like very offensive so examples like in the show, The L Word, a bisexual character is referred to as gross. And then in Sex and the City, again, it's just you're on the road to gay town. Um, so I just think it's really important that media start having some serious representation of bisexuality. But if you do have a bisexual character, that's not like the only thing important about them.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Chronicle Headlines. You can check out all these stories and more at Columbiachronicle.com. For additional coverage, we are at CC Chronicle on Instagram and Twitter. Chronicle Headlines is made possible by a collaboration with the staff of the Columbia Chronicle and WCRX-FM, Chicago's underground, under the leadership of Suzanne McBride. Chair of the Communication Department at Columbia College, Chicago. Until next time, I'm your host, Paige Barnes.